All right, I'm pulling out of my driveway, and we all know what that means. It's time for another podcast of loathing. I'm Zach, and today I'm going to talk to you about the Postamancer. Um, so if I had to trace the genesis of the idea behind KOL to a specific gag or thought, I don't remember exactly, but I would imagine that Postamancer was it. Like, it rolls off the tongue. It is cute in a way that tells you kind of exactly what you're going to get with the video game. Like, maybe the first text you see when you go to create a KOL character is you see uh, Seal Clubber, one, the Seal Clubber hails from the Frigid Northlands because one character class always hails from the Frigid Northlands. So then you know, it's like, all right, this is a parody of an RPG. But like, Postamancer, just the word by itself, kind of tells you everything that you need to know about what you're in for. Um, and it's the thing that like, <clears throat> if somebody who was aware of KOL because they like read a magazine article about it in 2004 or something, that's the thing that they remember. Um, oh yeah, the game with the Postamancers. And so that it, like, it established the trope of food and magic being kind of the same thing. And that is a thing that has been an extremely rich vein to mine. Um, and it's never, we're never at a loss for coming up with a mysticality class. No matter what the setting is going to be, no matter what, uh, like those were, when we were coming up with all the additional, like, sort of other adventurer classes for the new tower, uh, when we did that revamp. That may be worth doing a show about the the old sorceress tower and the new sorceress tower. Actually, I should have uh, I should make a note of that. Um, I'm not going to make a note of that. Wait, maybe I'll make a note of that on my telephone. I don't know my telephone in the studio. This is turning more and more into a Mark Rosewater podcast because I'm just saying things to myself on the recording. Anyway, let's move on. Possumancers, uh, they were the first mysticality class uh, that I designed. And uh, as such, they were just kind of Dungeons and Dragons wizards, I guess. Um, their initial damaging spells weren't even pasta themed, which is a weird thing. Uh, but we'll get to that when we go through the skills one at a time, which is how we do this. Uh, all right. So their first skill, Manicotti Meditation, uh, just a self buff, gives you five adventures of plus two mysticality. Just a, one of those generic starting skills for all of the classes. Um, then spaghetti spear, this was their zero level combat skill that we added all at once. I think, although I have this vague memory of spaghetti spear existing for a little longer, but it just does two or three damage. Uh, it's hard capped at eight damage by uh, plus spell damage or whatever. So it doesn't just become like the cheapest way to deal damage. Um, and it's just a way for Postamancers to be able to cast spells to kill monsters when they first start playing the game, which is kind of what we want them doing. Uh, Ravioli Shurikens is the first uh, of their damaging spells, which just does a little bit of damage uh, three different times. This didn't used to be like that. For, originally, this skill was, I think, Minor Ray of Something. There was Minor Ray of Something, Extreme Ray of Something, and Cone of Whatever, which were their three damaging skills. There was also Weapon of the Postal Lord, but that one didn't change. Um, and those were just kind of, you conjure some stuff, it picked from a random list of objects that you would hurl at your opponent uh, based on what element of damage you were doing. Although, these spells had to have predated elemental damage, so I don't know if that was a thing that got added when we added elements to it, or 
Maybe not. Maybe elements were in there as a joke, but there wasn't like the circle of resistances and stuff until later. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, ravioli shurikens, just uh, multiple sources of damage. We over the years, a lot of changes have been made to like damage caps and the math for how spell damage works because. As we got more generous with plus spell damage stuff, it really like screwed up the balance of how much damage you could do for how much mana. And we never really paid a lot of attention to, well, I, I should say I didn't pay a lot of attention to what those ratios were. And so I would often end up making something that was just like clearly the only thing that you should ever use. And that feels like a bummer to me if there is just a kind of local maxima that you arrive at for the ability to play the video game for a given class that seems less interesting to me than like oh sometimes this is useful and sometimes this is useful that just seems like oh that's giving you choices to make um so there were a bunch of different balance passes of these spells and we ended up with a kind of a convoluted system that i don't love which is just each spell also has like an amount of bonus damage that your mysticality confers to it and a cap to the amount of extra damage you can add to it with plus spell damage stuff. And I just, I wish that that wasn't true. I wish that there was a, I don't know. I guess maybe if I had it to do over again, I would handle spell damage more like say plus non-combat or plus combat percentage. Uh, the encounter skills are handled in that it doesn't specify how much more spell damage you get it's just like this makes spells better and that could then have diminishing returns um but i don't know maybe i wouldn't do that because i also like a thing that just says plus five spell damage that's like oh okay i can read that and i know exactly what it does but the problem is once there are 500 things with plus five spell damage that you can have all of them at once it's like well crap our spells are ruined uh utensil twist is the next skill uh that was added uh during the 2013 skill revamp and that was more like a cheap way for postamancers to do damage that goes up based on their their stats um better than spaghetti spear but not as good as any of the spells but something that they can do cheaply and just uh uh also point out that utensils are the weapons that we've sort of intended to be made for Postamancers. And I don't know that that bears out um, at serious levels of gameplay, but it is at least borne out thematically by the content that is provided. At least I think it is. Uh, Entangling Noodles is the next skill. This one was a big deal because it was the first multi-round stun. And I talk about that a little bit in the... Uh, seal clubber uh, show but um it's uh just dramatically increases the survivability of uh of postamancers because they have sort of low hit points and so the idea of them was kind of glass cannon wizard slash necromancer they didn't really get any necromancer flavor um until later on. Uh, and so I'm going to do the same thing that I did with uh, the turtle spirits, which is I'm going to just put off all of the pasta thrall stuff until the very end. So any skills that are about them and any of the skills that are about summoning uh, those thralls, uh, all of which came into existence with the 2013 revamp. Um, I'll talk about that all at once at the end. 
So anyway, yeah, Entangling Noodles, multi-round stun. Uh, Transcendent Al Dente, that was a very... We were trying to make Transcendental and Al Dente work, and I don't think it really does, but Transcendental Dente doesn't work, and neither does Transcendent Al Dente. But anyway, now you know that that's the intent of that joke, but we just couldn't quite land it in a way that was comprehensible uh that's their one where you spend an adventure and you get a bunch of uh a bunch of max mp and a bunch of mp restoration um their possumizer skills i think are generally more expensive mana wise than other spells uh that might not be true but that's how i think of it at least um lasagna bandages was probably the first heal now nah, tongue of the otter was probably the first healing skill but anyway uh lasagna bandages i don't know if Seal Clubbers had any in-combat healing, but that uh, just uh, heals you. 10 to 30 hit points out of combat, 10 to 20 hit points in combat. Those numbers might have been tweaked over the years. Um, and for reasons that we'll get to in a minute, I can't imagine that anyone ever uses lasagna bandages outside of, uh, outside of combat. I don't remember if it's possible that lasagna bandages were one of the skills that were like quick skills. Um, we eventually made like some combat skills that were kind of useless. Like if you're in a situation where you're taking damage, a healing spell that does less healing than you're taking damage is pretty useless. It's just a net negative to use it. And so some skills we ended up making them. And this is kind of like once we added the no stagger property to monsters, this sort of screwed this up. Uh, we made them so that they kind of don't advance a round of combat. Typically, the way that that worked, I think, was by just preventing the monster from attacking. So once we made monsters that were immune to being prevented from attacking you, that also changed those. But I think, again, a lot of these things don't matter because once you get to a certain point, playing KOL is not about the combat. And so it's not about any of these combat skills except for whichever one most efficiently one-shots the monster that you're fighting or kills it over time without you risking taking anything because you really just kind of you get to the point where every zone in the game is on farm as they say in world of warcraft uh, dungeon running parlance uh cannon uh, i think that was extreme ray of something uh it's just a bunch of damage um of an element and pretty straightforward spell uh arch eyebrow of the archmage was the first uh, facial expression skill that they got, and it's just plus some spell damage. Um, where possible, those initial facial expressions that got added in the 2013 skill revamps were just a cycle of 10 turns of plus 10 something where it made sense. Um, cause I, I like numbers that are divisible by five, and I like, uh, things to be the same across classes where it does make sense. It, it doesn't like, an amount of plus meat drops is not of equivalent value to an amount of plus item drops. So usually one of the meat drops are double item drops if we're making equivalent skills. But like, you know, plus 10 stats, plus 10 damage to a particular kind of attack, plus 10, whatever is what we like. Uh, their next skill was Pasta Mastery, which this was uh, kind of the heart of the initial implementation of the cooking system in KOL which was, like all crafting in KOL, just ripped off wholesale from Paper Mario. And in fact, 
pasta mans are summoning dry noodles. Dry noodles were just the crafting ingredient for a lot of food dishes in Paper Mario, which I think I... I don't remember if I was playing Paper Mario before I started working on KOL or right after I started working on KOL, but I definitely played it in the bedroom where KOL was born, and I didn't live in that place for all that long. So it was definitely like around the same time. Um, but crafting in Paper Mario was just you take two items to this lady in a house, and then she goes through a very long, too long dialogue sequence that's unskippable uh, and ends up giving you an item that is the combination of those two items or some sort of a like mess that restores one hit point if you give her two items that don't uh, combine correctly. Um, I wanted it to be less punitive than that, and I also wanted it to certainly not be a thing that took 30 seconds of clicking through windows to try a new combination. Um, but yeah, that was kind of where the crafting came from. And Pasta Mastery lets you both summon dry noodles and then cook a bunch of dishes. Um, there was also, we added not super long ago, eh, maybe four years ago, we added a bunch of new, there was a a total overhaul is the wrong way to put it, but I changed the... So much of Pasta Mastery, so much of these recipes were based on the state of the game at the time that Pasta Mastery was added. And I think the zones might have only gone up to like level five or six. And so the stuff that dropped in Cobb's Knob was very disproportionately represented and stuff from the hippie camp, like the things that were kind of new. And so were the most likely to have item drops that didn't do anything yet. Uh, those were the ones that we folded in. And so there's, you, you end up with a bunch of, uh, a bunch of stuff that's like out of the way in serious play, stuff that you would never go to. And also stuff that like even a new player who was playing pretty casually wouldn't have any reason to understand why it was important. Um, and so with this overhaul, I added a bunch of new pasta recipes that were just made with the stuff that actually dropped in a modern playthrough where you weren't just spending all of your turns in Cobb's Knob because that was the only zone that existed. Um, and so there's just a bunch of there's a bunch of recipes and and the wiki page that I'm looking at doesn't really separate them out by like when they were added and so you know there were things like the valley uh, of Rothflamau uh, existed and so like prawn legs could be cooked with those noodles to make prawn manicotti with all the numbers in it one of the I feel like that not from a like being offensive or problematic standpoint but I at least personally feel like that valley with the elite speak stuff in it has aged worse than anything else in the game. Like, I just don't think it's funny anymore. Not even a hundred percent sure. I thought it was funny then it was just like lol memes, but, uh, but, and it was also kind of like lol memes from 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, so prawn, prawn manicotti brings, brings up those. I won't call them complicated feelings because they're not very complicated. It's just like, I don't really like that stuff, especially in 2019. Um, but yeah, just a bunch of basic stuff like spices. Uh, and I think I eventually took out, uh, no, there's this, you can still make spicy noodles. Um, spices were weird because I think when this went in, a lot of people started just making multis of saucers so that they could get free spices. It's also possible that pasta mancers used to start with dry noodles. I don't remember if that's true or not. 
Um, but yeah, so pasta master, pasta mastery, just the initial crafting skill for being able to cook pasta dishes. Um, they were designed even from the very beginning to synergize across classes because it was very like, this is an MMO. So we're going to do MMO stuff like crafting disciplines that interact with each other and require multiple people to cooperate to do stuff. And that I think was a good move. Um, it was a lot more represented by people's experience of playing the game before Ascension because you couldn't get both of those skills on your own. So you either had to have two characters or like one of the things that was, I remember when I met Michael Bro, who is one of my favorite game designers and a guy who I was very, very excited to meet and whose, whose work I really, really love him telling me that he and his wife used to play Kingdom of Loathing together back in the day and he was a pasta mancer and she was a saucer or no, he was a pasta mancer. And so he would make noodle dishes to send to her and she was a disco bandit. So she would make cocktails to send to him. And therefore they both got both of those things. And that was like both extremely exciting that somebody I admired, like fondly remembered my work. And also that like, yep, that is exactly the way that I wanted the experience of this economy to be. And that's was the point of limiting crafting skills to certain class. Uh, skills. Um, so yeah, that was that. After Postmancery, we got Springy Fusilli. This got added. So it's a self buff that is just a bunch of plus uh, initiative. This was specifically a thing that like in the Ascension testing era, I think that's about when it came. It was like pre pre Ascension. Like it's like, okay, this game is clearly a serious thing. Now I hired some other people to work on it. It Springy Fusilli was a thing that got added kind of by the request of serious players, which were like, man, the one thing that would be really nice for pasta masters to have is the ability to spend mana to increase their initiative. Because if they lose the jump, they take damage and that sucks. Um, Spirit of Rigatoni. Uh, this used to be a thing that made it more effective to do melee attacks with staves if you were this class. It would use your mysticality to hit uh, rather than your muscle. It would use your mysticality for hit and damage, I think, if you were uh, wielding a staff class weapon. And it's because I've always liked... I've always liked the idea of a wizard with a staff more than I've liked the idea of a wizard with a wand. Uh, because to me, Gandalf is the kind of canonical wizard as opposed to Dumbledore. Um, although Dumbledore is just kind of Gandalf, but with a wand instead of a staff. So, you know, more so than, say... Let's say Gandalf is what I think of as a wizard rather than Harry Potter being what I think of as being a wizard. Um, eventually, when I added chef staves, which was a thing that I had intended to do for a long, long time, and it took a long time to kind of figure out how I wanted to make that happen. Um, chef staves, I think, are cool. I don't know if people actually use them. This, this skill became the thing that lets you equip them, period. And so they were one-handed staves. Um, you can only have them in your, uh, in your main hand rather than an offhand because I don't need to be able to equip two of them. And so once, once dual wield became a thing in the, in the sort of filling out to level 15 skill blast, uh, for, for seal clubber. Um, because the canonical wizard is holding a staff in one hand and then either a sword or an orb in the other hand. Really an orb. Sword is more like, okay, Gandalf did that once, but, uh, and I guess, I don't know. Was Gandalf known to wield an orb? This is, Kind of like uh, whatever the religion is, is it it's not Jehovah's Witnesses, but it's something similar to that where like they don't use maybe it's Mennonites. They don't use any tools that were not that Jesus was not known to have used. So in my head canon, 
wizards are not allowed to use any implements that Gandalf was not known to use. Um, and you know, Lord of the Rings is not that dissimilar from the Bible in terms of how fun it is to just read and also how cool and resonant the narratives it creates are in spite of the, a lot of it just being the bigats. Uh, so yeah, chef's staves were like, I put a guy in the guild and it was like, all right, you need to bring this one staff. Probably they're all staffs. Some of them might just be like elongated objects. Maybe it's, maybe there's a requirement of it that the thing that turns into a given chef staff be a staff in its base form. And then he needs something to eat, which is thematically involved with whatever the staff turns out to be. He needs some booze, which is also in, it is to be hoped at least thematically involved and then some materials to construct it with which there were like a lot of wads used in the early ones uh, because that was something for it was a way to involve another like the sort of second tier of cross-disciplinary class crafting skills um or just something that's kind of like a rare drop that seems like something you would attach to a staff in whatever zone the staff parts came from uh and then you get a cool staff that's like a good thing that's for tuning spells to do a particular element of damage and also each staff has a kind of invocation that you can do by jiggling it which you can do once per combat and that's just like basically a free spell that you can cast um stuffed mortar shell used to be cone of whatever and was changed in 2008 when all of the other uh generic damage spells got changed to pasta stuff um Stuffed Mortar Shell, uh, then during the revamp, I think, got changed to, because we, we were like, well, we have spent a lot of time over the years getting rid of situations where classes just had this skill is like this skill only better. Um, and Postamancer's damaging spells were kind of full of that. And so apparently people use Stuffed Mortar Shell now, which is cool. Uh, the idea was that it would be more efficient damage for mana, but you have to like wait some number of rounds for it to land, uh, so that you also had to kind of focus on survivability. And like, Postamancers were the muscle offstat, uh, mist class, and Sorcerers are the moxie offstat mist class. And I'd kind of gotten to the, gotten to the sense of like, Postamancers being more about the kind of physicality of the stuff that they were summoning and, Saucers being more kind of warlocky, blood magicy kind of uh, kind of things, and so Postamancers over time got more and more kind of physical survivability tools in their toolbox. Um, more about moving stuff, solid stuff around. Um, Shield of the Postalord. Speaking of which, uh, is this was I think the first. Or maybe the only like straight up new mechanic added for the Postmancer skill revamp where it is an effect. It's a self buff that just puts an effect on you that is, it works better for Postmancers than, than non-Postmancers. Most of the stuff that was done in the, in the 2013 skill revamp that, uh, was new was centered around the Pasta thralls. And so the fact that only sauce or only Postmancers can summon them is what limited it. Like it was the equivalent of their fury or turtle blessings were these thralls. Um, Shield of the Pasta Lord just straight up works worse if you are not a Postmancer. But it, after all of the damage calculations are done, I think it might be beforehand, but either way, um, 
it just reduces the amount of physical damage that you take from monsters by a percentage. And it's one of the only things that does that. Um, and that was a novel thing at the time. Uh, Spirit of Ravioli. This was just a passive that was kind of uh, like the Wisdom of the Elder Tortoises, where it's just a generically useful plus 25% to your max health. So, like, everyone just wants that because it's straight up just better to have it than not to have it in every circumstance, unless there's some degenerate strategy that involves having low hit points, which I think that there is not. Um, Weapon of the Pasta Lord was their their big uh, spell... Big damage spell in the initial thing. And I think that never changed. I think Weapon of the Postalord actually began its life as Weapon of the Postalord. But it does two sources of damage, one physical and one elemental. I don't remember if it was always like that or if that got changed at some point. But, but yeah, it's just their big skill. And I think it is uncapped. I think that in the... In one of those revamps of the costs of things, we gave every, we gave both of the missed classes some spell that just would take as much plus spell damage as you cared to jam into it. Uh, Leash of Linguini is a self buff that adds to familiar weight. This is a little weird. This is kind of off brand for, um, Postamancers because they're not like super familiar focused, although they are, I guess, like they have like buddies. So maybe that was kind of what I was going for there. Cannelloni Cocoon. There's two things wrong with this. Um, one, it's the second uh, Cannelloni skill. There's Cannelloni Cannon and Cannelloni Cocoon. I think it used to be Cannoli Cannon because I thought Cannoli was a kind of pasta. Um, and it wasn't. Or maybe it's Cannelloni and Cannellini Cannon? No, they're both Cannelloni. Um so yeah, that was just me not knowing what cannoli was. Uh, so this is 20 mana heal all of your HP. And I really, really super wish I hadn't done that because it's, it would be a bummer. It would make a bunch of people sad now to cap it because a lot of like, maybe it wouldn't. Maybe there, maybe there aren't that many people who, and you know what? Maybe if somebody's got a level 250 character, maybe it's okay if they have to spend some meat to restore all their hit points. Maybe after this show, I'm going to go in and just cap cannelloni cocoon to like 500 hp healed and then i won't be sad about it anymore you know i'll do that people get really sad if somebody sends me a tearful message where they say i'm very sad and it's not and they don't word it like this uh, so that i'll know it's legit instead of somebody who's doing it in response to this uh utterance on this podcast then i'll consider it but uh yeah it i i really don't like that this permanently and irrevocably devalued every other healing spell in the game every other healing spell every other healing item everything was going to be judged by this because no matter how high a level you are this heals all of your hit points um yeah if there's some edge case that makes it a super bummer for me to cap this at 500 hit points then i will rescind but you know what it's i i'm in charge of this i can do whatever i want um i don't really want to do whatever i want if it makes people sad but I think everybody has to agree. Cannelloni Cocoon is super OP. Subtle and quick to anger. Uh, I think this got added in the in the skill revamp, and it is just a plus uh, 10% spell damage passive. So, again, like, you know, good to have. 
Uh, they got tolerance of the kitchen uh, in the filling out their skills to level 15 when everybody except uh, accordion thieves got an elemental resistance. Uh, saucer or Postmancers got, I always want to say saucer instead of Postmancer. Postmancers got hot resist. Uh, they also then got flavor of magic, which is a thing that lets you, it is this for a long time, it was this weird kind of hard-coded mess. Eventually, we created the concept of conditional non-combat skills, and so it became no longer just a bunch of, like, edge case horse shit in the skill script. Uh, but it gave you Spirit of Cayenne, Spirit of Peppermint, Spirit of Garlic, Spirit of Wormwood, and Spirit of Bacon Grease, and then you also get Spirit of Nothing. And casting those tunes your elemental tunes your spells to do damage of a particular element um and there we had had like items that did that there were some offhand spell books and stuff that that did that it really only mattered for postamancers um because sorcerer spells could only be either hot or cold um in the in the early days least, i think that might actually still for the most part be true um but this just gave you the power to spend a little bit of mana Oh, and a tiny bit of mana. This was mostly just like once you reach a certain level, you get the ability to just toggle what elements your spells are doing. Uh, Wizard Squint, another uh, another facial expression. This one is plus 10% chance of a spell crit, which I it's possible that no one has ever used that skill for anything. Uh, Transcendental Noodlecraft. That uh, gives you more dry noodle summons per day, and it lets you cook... Uh, higher order pasta dishes uh, by so this was around the time when we did this we also added the extra stuff to the guilds so the you got the walk of ages in the in the league of chef magi you got the you got nash crosby's still in the brother in the department of shadowy arts and crafts and you got the malice of forethought in the Brotherhood of the Smackdown, uh, which tied into the crafting skills. The malice was used to pulverize, not to pulverize stuff. It was used to combine powders into nuggets and nuggets into wads. Uh, the wok, you had to have access to it to cook these things, which was, that was a post-ascension world way of trying to continue to make it so classes had a play style as opposed to everything just becoming totally homogenized because of, uh, uh, perm skills and uh, you could also that's where you got in the in the store in the league of chef magi you could buy msg and msg combined cooked with dry noodles to make savory dry noodles and then those were used to make a bunch of the higher order pasta dishes and the reagent pasta dishes which also required saucer stuff um i don't think this stuff changed a ton with the the when I revamped the pasta dishes, but um, I don't I don't super remember. Um, so yeah, that was their basic skills. Uh, all of the non thrall related ones from both pre and post revamp. Their spooky raven quest was fearful fettuccine, which was just a different combat spell that was always spooky damage. Um, on the seafloor, they get tempura, uh, where they can go and get bubbling tempura batter and make some uh, make some kind of high level foods that were not sushi based on sea stuff. Christmas, they got candy blast, which candy blast became like some 
dumb meat farming thing where you would just cast it over and over and over again because of the auto sell value of the candy. You could draw out combat forever. Um, and there was some interaction with the stocking mimic, or maybe it was just also doing that, but I don't remember. I don't remember if or how we fixed that, or maybe it just became profitable to do something else. Um, but that's my main thing that I remember about Candy Blast was nobody cared about the damage that it does. People just cared about it dropping more or less free items. Uh, Traveling Trader uh, gave Postamancer's Stringotzi Serpent, which uh, is just a damaging spell that also poisons. As part of the Nemesis quest, and I think this is maybe the only class that gets skills in the Nemesis quest, um, you get a Spaghetti Elemental, which was, I don't think it was ever a familiar, I think it, it was only in the Nemesis quest revamp that that became a thing that you could do. Otherwise, the Spaghetti Elemental was like the Nemesis that you fought. Uh, and they also got Canicle of Carboloading, which was a weird... This was a thing where we did every once in a while we'll decide to leave something uncapped specifically to promote people doing weird stunts with it. And this is a thing where you use a skill and it just sets a flag that the next time you eat pasta, you get three extra adventures from it. And that flag can just be increased by three every day for as long as you care to. So we were like, well, if you're not eating the thing that is going to give you the most turns, it's probably okay for you to save up. 500 turns or whatever for some event. Uh, and so we were okay with the idea of people just stacking these infinitely. Uh, the mime skill from mime crimbo that you got for them was quiet judgment, which was another facial expression that was plus 25% mysticality. Pretty straightforward. Uh, the one you got from the fortune teller was inscrutable gaze, which was plus 10% to all mysticality gains. And I think there was just a cycle of those across Muscle Mist and Mox classes that were plus 10% to all, uh, to each stat gain. Their vampire thing is Blood Bucatini, which is you spend hit points to do some damage and de-level some. And that is, uh, again, very on brand with those, uh, vampiric skills. Um, I think that was the one that just spends blood rather than giving you an effect that constantly spends blood. But, um, okay. So, uh, I forget exactly when, no, in fact I do. This is, uh, in, in 2008, uh, we added a mechanic that was pasta guardians. And this was when I went to do the thrall stuff, uh, and revisited this code. It has little tendrils everywhere. It's, um, it was pretty messy, but you find items out in the world that are like remnants of the spirits of, uh, pasta creatures that you can then communicate with their spirit and convince them to accompany you and bind them to your will. And the way that these worked was they would level up as you use them over time. They had like name generators. So it was like, they were kind of like the warlock demon summons. And this, I'm sure the, the name generator thing was kind of named was modeled after that because in world of warlock, world of warlock, world of warcraft, when you're a warlock and you summon, like, you know, you start out with like, uh, imp your imp it rolls a name for your imp and every time you summon an imp it has that name and i thought that was pretty cool i don't remember if the names of the thralls or the the names of the pasta guardians persisted across ascensions or not and some of them their names got longer as they leveled up which i thought was funny um 
But anyway, you'd, you'd use these items that you found and it would summon a guardian. And when you dismissed one, it was just gone forever. Like all of the progress that you had made leveling it up was gone. And that was, I, I don't know, that is a game mechanic. I don't know if it's a great one, but it was encouraging people to like stick with one and commit to a specific play style. And so the ones of those that you had were um, the Angel Hair Wisp. Uh, what order are these in? I don't have any. Let me, let me just kind of bounce around. So you get undead elbow macaroni from uh, just the the macaroni that you fight, like turn five post-tutorial, drop fragments that you can use to get one of those guys uh, with you. And that just deals some spooky damage, and it gives you bonus spooky damage, and the wiki doesn't know what it did at level 10. I remember that one being weird. I didn't look it up in advance of the show, but it was like, I, th- I want to say that it just did something that I wasn't sure if it mattered in combat or not, and it mattered so little that nobody even noticed it. Uh, once you're in Spooky Raven, uh, you can get scintillating powder from the haunted kitchen and summon a spice ghost, which uh, a spice ghost is just a monster that looks like space ghost, but is a cloud of spice, which was pretty good. And that's D levels and drops spices. Um the bat hole, you can get a smoking talon, summon a bowtie bat. Bowtie bat is one of the ones that didn't make it uh, to, didn't make it across to the new system. There were more of these than there were good ideas for things for them to do. And also, once each of them had a class skill associated with it, we had less room in the lineup for them. Um, so the bowtie bat increases your spell and weapon damage, and it uh, just deals damage over time, and then eventually does a pickpocket, which that might have been the first thing that did pickpocketing other than the pickpocket quasi-skill ability that Moxie classes get. Uh, In the crypt, you can get Shimmering Tendrils, probably from Liches, and that gives you an Angel Hair Wisp, which that is a helps you level up and then becomes a defensive thing as it as it gets more. So you start again subsets from it, and then it starts converting enemy crits into misses, and then uh, starts potatoing, just blocking individual attacks. Um, Paranormal Ricotta from the Crypt gives you the Lazambi. That one made it through. I, just, I really like the word Lazambi, and that's plus meat and plus damage. Um, decoded cult documents give you the Spaghetti Elemental. That was part of the quest for uh, for the Nemesis, the Nemesis quest for Pastamancers. And then uh, in... I think you get it from Sandworms. You get the twitching trigger finger that lets you summon a Boba Fettuccine, which this was kind of funny, but didn't. This is not really the kind of joke that I would write now. I don't think it didn't make it across to the thralls, but it was it would just do damage over time. When it leveled up again, it would do more damage. And then its level 10 ability was that it would occasionally get swallowed by the Sarlacc was the joke. And so you'd then be fighting a sandworm instead of whatever you were fighting so it's goofy maybe it was valuable for people farming melange and that was the way that we justified it but mostly it was for just the boba fett joke uh in the spooky raven wine cellar you'd get wine soaked bone chips which would let you summon a penne dreadful which that's fucking great joke pretty sure that was riffs um and it is just kind of like a noir skeleton who increases booze drops and then food drops and then item drops as he levels up uh, you can get a crumbling rat skull in the pyramid that uh, summons a vermincelli, which that's another very good joke. I don't remember who wrote that, but it uh, does damage and poisons stuff. And then it gets to the point where it can uh, remove negative status effects from you and uh, kind of 
what we just refer to as whelp, which is restoring HP and MP at the end of combat. We refer to a lot of combat mechanics by whatever the first thing was to do them. So potatoing is blocking enemy attacks. Barnacling is deleveling an enemy at the beginning of combat. Whelping is restoring HP and or MP at the end of combat. Um, just because the ghoul whelp and the barnacle and the hovering levitating potato were the first things to do that. Uh, anyway, uh, in level 12, you get vampire glitter, which is in a weird, I don't know what, what, why that makes sense to be in McMillican Cuddy's farm, but, uh, that summons the vampire rogi, which, uh, is, uh, what does that do? It's a mosquito. Uh, drains, does damage, restores HP to you, then eventually it starts also restoring MP to you, and then eventually levels up and starts restoring HP and MP. Those are not like this anymore. That's just what these things used to be for a few years, uh, post 2008 and pre 2013. Uh, they have since been replaced with pasta thralls, which are largely the same things content wise. I don't think any of these are new. You get the Vampirogi, the Vermicelli, the Angel Hair Wisp, the Elbow Macaroni, the Penne Dreadful, the Spaghetti Elemental, the Lazombie, and the Spice Ghost. Um, they similarly like get new abilities as they level up. Um, they're probably a little better balanced abilities. There are fewer of them, so I'm guessing that there were fewer filler uh, ideas in there. Um, they're relatively similar to what they did thematically before, but now you summon them and you don't like lose all of the progress on your previous ones. You, they all reset to level one over Ascension, but this, this kind of made them more like, I guess more like world of Warcraft hunters and less like world of Warcraft warlocks. Um, well, maybe not even that, but yeah, you can, you can summon, uh, you can summon them and you don't lose them when you summon a different one. And then also there are a bunch of skills. There are two skills that you get that dramatically improve the effect. Well, I don't know how dramatic it is. They're meant to dramatically improve the effectiveness of damaging spells when you have a thrall, which is how we made these things more effective as postamancers than other classes, which are bringing up the rear, which the blue text on that is just increases the potential damage of your pasta spells when you have an active pasta thrall. And that just increases the damage caps of spells that are capped, um, which is a thing that is very difficult to describe. Um, and then thrall unit tactics, which boy, do I not like that? That was a, that was a very like, well, fuck, I guess I'm calling it this bad thing instead of there being any good way to describe what the hell is going on here. But that just reduces the MP cost of all of your spells by 50% when you have a pasta thrall, which is basically another way of saying these skills are only practical to use when you are a pasta mancer, um, which was kind of what we wanted. Like we didn't want, we wanted the optimal in our hope was, and I have no idea if we achieved this, we wanted the best way to handle combat on an ongoing basis to actually vary based on what class you were. Um, and I don't know. I'll ask. I'm asking right now. Hey, players, did we succeed? Like when you are ascending as a postamancer, do you use a different thing to kill your enemies than when you are ascending as a disco bandit? And um uh, if not, what things can we nerf to make it so you have to? Uh, 
All right. And that is all of those Pastamancer spells. Um, I hope you have had as much fun on this trip down memory lane vis-a-vis, vis-a-vis Pastamancers as I have going on it as your tour guide. Um, thanks for listening. We'll catch you. Probably it will be like a month uh, before the next one of these comes out because I am going to be traveling and might not have the ability to do podcasts period while I am in Phoenix for Zapcon. That might change. I might end up deciding to take a portable recorder, but um, we'll see. Anyway, uh, the next show will be about sorcerers. And until then, keep flying towards the moon.